Yeah. Yeah. If you have to do 20 extra hours, like, I think that should just be the option now. I know JRPGs don't really want you to do it, but it should just be the option that, yeah, it might be a little harder, but you can just mainline and be done in 15 hours instead of 55. Right. Looking at the time my life has left in it, you know? It's a little dark. Yeah, man, we really just, harsh. Just wow, scary. Hello, darkness, my old friend. I'm just saying, like, I've come to talk with you again. Is that is that on the soundboard, Andy? I'm, I'm writing it down right now. <laughs> Yeah, it's going to be interesting is that, tonight. Is that joke too old for the kids? The new meme of that is the uh the Narcos the Narcos uh what's his name? Pablo Escobar alone in the pool. Ah, so it has new life. It has new life, but it's just not the same, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, cuz oh. like uh, do they know the sounds of silence? I don't know if they know it, you know. Who that can song know? Isn't- who can know the sounds of silence, really? Yeah. I mean, is our target audience the kids anyway? Yeah, fair. Kids at heart, Michael. True. Kids at heart. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 260 of We Were Gamers. We can get right into it. The kids at heart with me today are JJ. Hello. Michael. Hey, everybody. And I'm Andy. Uh... We are kids at heart, and that's why we're still talking about video games and comic books and TV shows and all that sort of stuff. I'm going to start off right off the bat with saying, JJ, I hope you're recording tonight, because these carbon scorings in Star Trek take a long time to render, Mm -hmm. and we're just going to hope that I can render and podcast at the same time. Oh, okay. Uh Oh. (laughs) Is the is the rendering and this is a question I guess I don't know. Is it not possible to just like turn on the computer, hit render, and walk away for like six hours? Will it not it, work? It, oh, it totally is. But um, yeah, those Star Trek ones. I think I think if I were a smarter person or a person with more experience, I could think of a way to create the file that would take less time to render. But the way that I wanted it to look, I created it the way that I could hatchet job it together. Mm-hmm. Sure. And uh, that requires X amount of rendering. And therefore it's like 12 hours for those Star Trek ones and uh, carbon scoring ones. And so, you know, I finish it when I finish it and I just hit the render button uh, because I don't want to be thinking about it or being like, Oh no, I forgot to start it. And then I got 12 more hours. And so today uh, I no, finished. That's- that's what you got to do, man. Right. Well, so we're seeing if uh, we're doing a, uh, this is a hot test. It's the first time to see if I, my computer can handle rendering and recording at the same time. So far, task manager seems to be fine. And I'm not hearing my computer spin into a death spiral of heat. So. Uh, yeah, it should be all right. I should be totally fine. All right. Uh, JJ, you're at fault for something. It's me. What, what did I do? Um, I put off watching Captain Marvel from your lackluster review. I, 
Okay. I feel like you're about to blame me because you loved it. <laughs> <laughs> I spoilers for Captain Man. It's just been nonstop for me. I don't know. We did a carbon scoring over the weekend and we talked about that new uh Bad Batch show that hit Disney Plus. Oh yeah. Um which is uh, if you thought you were a little bit lost with the Mandalorian and being like, well, who's this Ahsoka person and why is she talking about stuff that, like, I don't know about? I feel left out. You know what I mean? Or the Bo-Katan one was the one that JJ was kind of very... The Bo-Katan at. one seemed yeah. more important even yeah. than, than Ahsoka. And I don't I don't think you're wrong. Uh, but just imagine that as a whole show, right? Because this literally just takes place at the end of the Clone Wars. I mean, the, is the, the issue show, that... The Clone Wars. Is this just like, hey... This is the follow-on from the Clone Wars animated yes. show that y'all yes. people liked. So yes. this is just that we uh-huh. expect yeah. you've seen every episode. Yeah. Okay. So like you yeah. know you you knew what you well, were getting into by watching. You know this. what's you know what's funny is uh, then there's scenes in there where even I was like, um, so Ken did did or Kit did I did I forget this thing having happened? They're like, no, they just sort of said it that it happened in that scene. I was like, oh okay. <laughs> uh, Anyway, it's just been every single podcast is now like, hey, by the way, spoilers. So anyway, spoilers uh, for Captain Marvel from four, eight years ago. I don't even know yeah, anymore. Quite a while before Endgame. Yeah. Uh, hey, that movie was good. And also, I think you specifically didn't say, I don't know, Michael, you've seen this movie, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. You. I don't think you specifically said that uh, Sam Jackson was in it. Oh, no, I definitely didn't say that because you didn't know, and so I wasn't going to tell you. Yeah, yeah, uh, that's definitely the kind of thing to, to save for when you ha- when you see it. God, I was happy when that happened. <laughs> yeah, it's one of, it's great. Sam Jackson see, is good in that movie. I sincerely understand now why you had trouble describing the timeline of that movie versus the rest of the Marvel Universe, considering what they, what they did in yes. terms of going back to the, like, the 80s and 90s. It's complex, man. Uh, but it's complex only in, only in so much as it doesn't fit into the current MCU timeline when it was released, right? It's like not not any of it really at all. Yeah, yeah. It's it's uh, kind of a, a precursor to all of the rest of it. Yeah, it was like a primer for stuff that you missed. Kind of. Um, I I thought it was good. I think. Um, it's sad that she might be on her way out after the next Captain Marvel movie. Uh, Brie Larson. I think they're talking about whether or not Pulsar or somebody else will take over for her. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I, I know my feelings about it were like, I liked it, but I didn't love it. Yeah. And it was like completely fine. I, I, I enjoyed it watching it since then. So, so I enjoyed watching it. And th- at the end of it, I kept thinking to myself, like, Man, they sure did did themselves a disservice making her this strong, because then they literally had to just write her out of the MCU somehow, so she couldn't show back up. Well, and like that was the whole thing that people were speculating about at the time of like, oh, Captain Marvel is so powerful, they have to do her now. They have to like you know they have to bring her in now because Thanos, she's going to be the one who does all the stuff with Thanos. So like <laughs> she's the only one who could fight him and all this kind of stuff. Right. And she's like a footnote in that movie. She shows up for two seconds yep. and then is kind of out of there and you don't care. 
like barely even there in terms of the plot of that movie. Super, super disservice to include her in that plot at all. I think they should have just left it alone. Honestly, uh, there's I mean, a lot of the only the only purpose she serves is she destroys all the spaceships. No one else is there to destroy all the spaceships. Right. But yeah. with, you know, if you just didn't have all the spaceships, then she yeah, would exactly, have to destroy right. all the spaceships. There's a lot of weird continuity stuff happening in that movie too. With like, she's able to get the power of an infinity stone, but no other human can. Wait, isn't it, the whole thing that she's not human? No, she is no, though. She is human. She is human. She's not Kree. Or yeah. she wasn't she wasn't Kree. She's still she not got, Kree. She absorbs that radiation and she got it, blasted. It, yeah. It mirrors the Kree's abilities and then some. Yeah. Anyway, she's like Tesseract power. Uh yeah, so the point of this conversation is uh we decided that we're not watching bad TV shows anymore, and so we like cut out half the TV shows from our diet. And uh, my wife and I are instead turning movies into TV shows and going back through the entirety of the MCU in chronological order, not release order. So let me tell you guys about movies that should be TV shows. Zack Snyder's Justice League. Oh, yeah. (laughs) You guys should watch Zack Snyder's Justice League. It has built-in stopping points. Oh, really? Yes. Fades to black, brings up a screen. It says like part two or part three or whatever. Okay. In this like, you know, four hour long extravaganza or whatever. You could absolutely do that as like a marathon over, you know, a week or whatever. You guys should. Well, then I have to say maybe you need to go back and watch Batman versus Superman, which maybe doesn't have that. And you shouldn't. I don't know. If you're willing to like look up what happened at the end of Batman vs. Superman so you don't have to watch that again, you should watch Zack Snyder's Justice League. See, so this seems like a movie so bad got released that, like, any version of it would make people think it's good. It is impressive. It is impressive how much more motivation and like reason for doing things and stuff the characters have in this version compared with the one that was released. And now, you know, whether you agree with those motivations and like think that they are good for those characters or whatever is a separate question, but like the characters have motivations and therefore arcs, which they did not have (laughs) in the released version. It's unbelievable. If I had to be overly fair to Zack Snyder, (laughs) Uh, I dislike his films in general. However, none of them seem to have incoherent plot, right? Like all of them tend to make sense. Even that Watchmen movie that's not super great, uh, makes sense. Yeah, yeah, you could follow the the plot. They're just like not well yeah. thought out in general. Like that Superman or- movie he did, where Superman is just obliterating people. Because Zack Snyder wanted certain shots. You know, they kind of talk a lot about that in this movie. You know, it's because a lot of people complained and then they had to backtrack their way into thinking about it. Hey, you know. Uh, but yeah, I agree. Like, it, look, I'm not going to out here and tell you that, like, oh, yeah, this movie is, like, a classic now and is great. But it is very easily watchable in parts due to those, like, act designations or whatever. 
where it will literally fade down to black and then bring up like a part two. And, you know, it, you just hit pause right there. You come back tomorrow. tomorrow. It's perfect. Am I really going to have to give the DCU a chance? It's not that bad. I mean, it's not great, but it's not that bad. It's you know. I need a okay. I need I need a not in I not I need a not vested opinion. JJ's the guy over here selling like insurance bonds or whatever because he's already. <laughs> well, I don't know. Like, it sounds it sounds from from the way JJ's selling it that he turned Mortal Kombat 2021 into Mortal Kombat 1995. Just as an analogy. But I like Mortal Kombat 1995. <laughs> so then you should watch this, I guess. That's what that means, right? Shoot. <laughs> you know what you shouldn't it's, watch? I, you, you know, oh, man. Yeah, actually, though, you know what you shouldn't watch? You shouldn't watch the epilogue to that movie. Once the movie ends and then it's like epilogue, you just hit, nope, don't need to see this. <laughs> so the uh, once again, the complete opposite of the MCU. There you go. It's DC yep. staking out its case. <laughs> yep. Skip our epilogues. <laughs> Dude, those epilogues after those MCU movies, when you start to watch them in order, actually are really good. <laughs> You're like, oh, yeah, so that's what we're going to watch in the next movie. <laughs> so, like, it's it's pretty good when they, it's different. When they start to it, do those. It's so interesting with those because, like, at the time, you remember being like, oh, man, these little teases are so crazy. Like, what are they going to do? I didn't and, like, realize now- it was three years in between the teaser for Iron Man 2 and Thor. Oh, where they find the hammer at the end? Yeah. Yeah. Three yep. years for that teaser. Holy cow. Oh, man. I, I however, have, uh, since we're talking about bad movies that maybe make you rethink movies, uh, I have to say my opinion has reshifted as I found out that Incredible Hulk is actually part of the MCU. The one with Edward Norton. Is it actually, though? It is specifically canon, however, not available on Disney Plus because Universal owns it. They just changed the actor and decided to say, all right. Yeah, Mark Ruffalo ends up playing the Hulk later. Uh, That movie's a garbage fire. And now my my lizard brain says you should go rewatch that ang lee version and see i was just gonna say are you about to come out here and defend <laughs> ang lee's hulk which isn't better i cannot confirm nor deny that ang lee's hulk is better i'm not i'm not gonna stake that hill currently however it has not not crossed my mind while watching this garbage <laughs> fire of a movie that maybe the ang lee one might be better i don't I don't think you're going to be happy if you go back to that one. But it's less investment than watching four hours of Justice League. No, but see, that's you're approaching it wrong. Justice League is a TV show, and you watch one hour a night. I see. Well, Captain Marvel was pretty good. Although they never call her Captain Marvel in the whole movie. I don't think they do in Avengers Endgame either. Yeah. No. Really strange. Really strange. All right. Uh, hmm. Well, uh, watching MCU movies takes a lot of time. So someone tell me about their video games because I need to hear about a little bit of video gameage before I bring a- attention to an article that I have staked out for us to argue about. All right. Uh, Michael, do you play anything good? 
Uh, I am I am still uh, hip deep into Trails the Third right now. Yes. Yeah, I think I'm ooh, six chapters in. Yeah, Isn't I'm it? in the sixth chapter right now. There's breaking news on this front. Yeah, there uh, there is news from the the realm of the Trails games. There is literally news from the Geo front. <laughs> I don't get that joke, but it sounded good. It's uh, the name of the people who are involved in the translation of the game, but also the name of a physical place in the universe that you will go in these games. Oh, you didn't need to explain it. I I was just I was just appreciating your joke. Uh, the uh, the team called that calls themselves the Geofront have announced that they will be releasing a translated a translation patch to the Chinese version of Aono Kaseki, which is uh, the Legend of Heroes Trails to Azure, which is the follow up to the game that was they released a while ago. I guess it's been a few years at this point, right? Uh, Trails to Zero. Which is uh, this is very confusing because you got to use either a color or a number, but nope. not like colors and numbers. Nope. Trails to zero and then trails. Uh, is it trails from zero? It is trails from zero. And trails, trails from zero. Azure. Trails to Azure. That's correct. Yeah. They also released a patch for trails from zero at the same time that they announced this news. I believe uh, the patch is related to some wording changes that have been updated in light of recent events yes so uh very cool to see that because the previous way to play uh the azure game was uh not a great translation let's say it was like not a spreadsheet but it was like a very poorly edited spreadsheet let's call it okay uh, which makes it uh not so easy to necessarily grasp the finer concept of what's going on in some of these instances. So this will be a nice uh, nice way to play that game for folks that want to. And there are uh, directions about how to legally purchase it out there, so if you want to do that, you can. Uh, and then you will be able to play then all of the currently, or the previously released games in this series up to Cold Steel 4, uh, which is pretty cool. No more holes for the English. Uh, translations, which is rad. That's great. Yeah, I'm looking forward to you it. Finally, you guys are able to do the entire thing now, huh? Yeah, you could play, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, nine games straight, if you wanted. Oh, that's great. That's really... I, I haven't invested any of that amount of time. I've vested literally no time. <laughs> I can't even remember the, <laughs> all the titles. But, like, it just really makes me happy for you guys. Because of how many hours you guys have soaked into this series, I was worried that you were going to hit this middle patch and not be able to catch up with the new stuff. I mean, the time goes by pretty quickly when you're playing. Nice. Well, where are you at in your story, man? Uh, so yeah, I'm in the sixth chapter. I have recruited all sixteen characters at this point. Uh, so I'm relatively as you know, the story is still sort of dictating certain characters for certain sections of each chapter, but I'm pretty free to build out uh, my characters as I want to. Who's your favorite? Um, 
I mean, it's it's hard not to like Richard. Yeah. Uh, but also Tita in the with the orbital gear. The mech is pretty sweet. Yeah. My entire opinion of this series has changed since you told me last time that they were mechs. Yeah, they uh, they don't really show up in the first two games. Although, oh, no, so now I'm back out. I'm back out. Nope. They're no. enemy mechs, though. You <laughs> right. Don't... Yeah, the enemy mechs show up, I think, from the first game. Definitely from the yeah. second. Yeah, there are definitely enemy mechs in the second game. And there may be enemies in the in the first game near the end, maybe. And then the Crossbell games, they definitely show up. And then Trails of Cold Steel, the first one, near the end, they come back in a big way. And then, yeah, from there on, mech game. Mech games forever, all the way down. Nice. Nice. JJ? Yes. I also have played video games. You did what? Uh, the last... I know. The last time we talked about it on this podcast, I was like knee deep in Yakuza Five. Yeah, you were you were knee deep in what I would consider like a mud pit, where you were wondering whether or not to just leave the boots there and and quit. Yeah, there's so much in that game. That game is so long compared to all the other ones, and there is just so much stuff to do, like. The Yakuza 4 and 5, I guess, changed the formula or whatever from those games from being about following Kiryu, the main guy, to an ensemble cast where there are four protagonists. And it just, there are so many things going on, like. You know, one character has dance battles. The other guy plays baseball. This other dude has a hunting mini game. Kiryu goes fishing. Like, it's just a. It's and then every character has an infinite number of like you can play arcade games at the at the Sega arcade. You can also go, you know, uh, meet girls at the hostess club. You can go on uh, billions of side quests with random characters around the street. Kiryu drives a taxi. All these other people do these things. It's just like. It's a completionist nightmare is what the game is, really. Of course it is. Oof. This is and why I was just talking about why we should just... How much of your life, you know? That's all yeah, I'm saying. Totally. And the thing that is, like, those other Yakuza games... Like, Yakuza 0 is a bit longer than most of the others, but Yakuza 3, Yakuza 4 are, like... I'm, like, looking at my playtime on Steam. I finished those games in, like... 20 hours total right like yakuza 5 is over 50 yakuza 1 is like 48 hours and that's almost a like almost 100 percenting the game yakuza 2 is like half that like a dragon then is back up over 100 so oh you know, wow <laughs> but that one's the rpg right that right one's the of one. course yeah which is the RPG. which is announced as the model going forward, right? Yeah, so they're going to keep the Yakuza series as a turn-based series or a RPG series. I don't know if they said turn-based, but as an RPG series and the Judgment series of games is going to stay an action-oriented fighting game. Uh which is interesting. Um the Judgment games haven't come out widely on PC yet. 
Uh, so I assume they'll get there eventually, but not quite yet. So I finally finished Yakuza 5. The story in that game is great, but the problem is getting to that story takes so friggin' long because you're like, you can't get to any of the like fun stuff that I like in those Yakuza games with all the guys ripping off their shirts and punching each other and whatever because you have to then go play the guy who is interested in baseball for 10 hours and before you can come back to the city and, and get in fights again. Like, it's just... Uh, so I'm taking a break from Yakuza after 5. I finished that. I'm like, I'm done. There is Yakuza 6. I haven't played it yet. I will play it someday. Not today. So then uh, PlayStation was giving away Horizon Zero Dawn uh, the complete edition for free, which we which talked we, about on I here. Think we warned everybody about multiple <laughs> yeah, times to go get it. <laughs> yeah, so hopefully people took advantage of that. Uh, I know and I based did on because... Michael's recommendation, people should have literally been falling over themselves to go get it. Yeah, so I I took advantage and I started playing that game. Um, man, that game is really fun. Um, I it took me a pretty long time to like get the combat, or maybe I just needed more skills or something. I don't know. You needed to get good? Certainly. I, I, I don't think by the end I ever did get good. <laughs> I, I, I kept di- I died to dinosaurs frequently, uh, or animals, I guess, uh, frequently in that game. So, uh, But yeah, I did. I guess eventually you level up your potion belt or whatever enough times that you eventually have so many potions you could just kind of survive through anything by being, you know, moderately dumb instead of just completely dumb. Uh, that that game has some really messed up story, man. <laughs> wow. Yeah. The uh, the story is definitely uh, it's a unique take on how the world ends. Yeah, and and really a, I guess it really, you know, you you come the story starts and you're this girl in this sort of primitive world, but obviously there's these metal machines around and you're like, oh okay, this is like some post apocalypse thing how much of this is they really going to explain? You know, like, is it really ever going to get explained? Nope. They kind of explain everything or, you know, large parts of everything anyway. Oh, by the end, it's everything. Yeah. So I'm, I'm very curious to get to the final, final end of it. Uh, and then maybe tackle the DLC. I have not, uh, I've not set foot up there yet. I feel that the, not quite of the level to head up into that area. Plus I don't know if it spoils anything from the, the main ending. So that's what Michael, I think Michael said it does. Um, I think that it, it's dynamic. So I think it, that some of the dialogue changes a little bit based on where in the game you are when you encounter the characters. Hmm. I, I'll probably just finish the main ending of the game and then, and then head up there just cause I probably need the levels anyway. So yeah. I, okay. Now that you both have pretty much wiped through the main story. I need to know something because I think that I might just pick this up and start playing it now. Um, okay. But I want to be prepared mentally because this often happens in tech games or apocalypse games or end of world games. Do they have their own version of zombies in this thing? No. Well, that seals the deal. I should play it. <laughs> I'm trying to think really hard if there's anything that could count i guess i haven't finished the dlc so i don't know if there's something of that nature there but yeah i think it's no yeah i was glad when mass effect moved away from that pretty quickly uh hmm did you actually play mass effect 2 and 3 
Gethers. Two to two have. Yeah, the Geth are I'd, definitely in that. Oh, the Get. Oh, yeah, that's right. And then the Geth are like a big part of Mass Effect. I never three finished three. Yeah. And the and the middle. Anyway, <laughs> they're in that. They're kind of in that series all over the place. They are, but they kind of stepped away. But in they're the not. Of, they're robots, really. They're not really more. No, I mean they're just zombies. But uh, into they step away from it for a while, and then you you have the Geth planet that you have to go to. Mm, yeah. And then, uh, and then they step away from it. I forgot about whether I can't remember three. I don't think I finished it. That's probably part of it. The the Reapers employ the Geth. Ah, see, there you go. Yeah. Well, hey, that game came out, so maybe I should look into that. I don't. Know, I have all three of those games, so I don't know why I should go buy the new version. My so interesting. We're talking about that Mass Effect Legendary Collection or whatever. Did you ever play that game, Michael? Any of them? You know, I have never played any of the Mass Effect games. This so I have conversation actually might been... be for you. I've just kind of been eyeing games. the collection. Those are good games, man. Uh, uh, I will say, apparently, playing those games on PC these days, the original versions of them, is kind of a pain in the butt. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Uh, the they don't have keyboard or they don't have controller support. No, it's very bad. Yeah, the oh, original versions don't. No, uh, there are mods for it, of course, that make it work well, but you have to do that. And also, my understanding is like the DLC for those is bought in some arcane and undealable way that is like yeah therefore is never on sale and sucks and yeah i game. i had those issues when i transferred everything over to digital i have i have all those games in ea or what is it ea play now it's not origin anymore uh I mean, it might funny. still be origin for now I, think, I don't know i think i think it is still origin but ea play is their like uh yeah. subscription service so I transferred all that stuff to digital after a while, after they allowed it, and yeah, it's a nightmare. I have like eighty pieces of DLC for some of those games. Yeah, yeah it's really where you bad. had like one pair of boots was a code, and one mm-hmm. helmet was a code. You know, and it was like, mm-hmm. oh, my head hurts. Yeah, it, it's really bad. That. It's really really bad. So I, I don't recommend you uh, you go back to those if you you know if you have them already. Obviously, don't buy the game again. I mean unless you feel the need to, but my understanding is most of the work in this collection was done on Mass Effect 1, which is, of course, the oldest game uh, and probably the one most in need of updates. So They changed the handling of the Mako. Whoa. So does it handle like a Warthog now, like every other vehicle in the the universe? I have no idea. I haven't played it, but I'm told (laughs) that it's a toggle option. You know, if you want the old bad Mako handling, you can have it. God, the old Mako handling. It's really bad. I Some part of me understands how they got there. And the rest of me goes, they played this. And then just were like, nah, we got to leave it. And I, It's like I one can, of those things where they're like, well, it technically works. We have yep. other things that don't yep. work. We got to exactly. ship it. I know how it happened. I understand it. I mean, I've I've existed in the world of like, we only got that shot one time. Are you serious? Like, yeah, we, we had to move on real quick. You're like, oh, oh yeah. boy. Uh, this may or may not work kind of thing. You know what I mean? Yep. But like, yep. Yeah. Woof. Woof. That Mako. You've got bad memories, man. Horizon. I just got to think about it. I got to play Horizon. <laughs> yeah. Hey, All Michael, right. But you, sh- you should check out that Mass Effect uh collection you know it's a those are good games man they're they are fun and they hold up i think or at least you know to some degree they do i think the ending of three might have aged 
somewhat better. I don't know. Three had a whole thing about it. Just don't read anything about it and just go play the game. <laughs> like it's okay. Don't. Yeah. People were super upset at the time. Kind of who cares? Like enjoy the story for what it is. Okay. I'm going to pick a fight with a journalistic outfit. And, uh, and you guys can back me up or you can side with the writer at Nintendo Life. I'm not going to call her out. It's her. It's a good article. She she actually writes a pretty good article. You could read it. It's called Soapbox. Game genres are broken. And the point of the article I will summarize is that um, games like Destiny have kind of broken the mold of saying like it's a first person shooter, right? You can't like you could say that about Halo. But you can't say that about Destiny because it's also an RPG, right? Um, the the point of the article being that categorizing games may, in fact, be damaging games, and whether or not you can, as a writer of, for things, categorize them so it with shorthand so people understand what they're going to be playing. Um. And and ends with a plea to stop categorizing games like Metroidvanias because uh, blending genres is detrimental to her mental health or something. I can't quite understand that argument. But I don't think game genres are broken, especially when uh, people just may be lacking names for genres. Like in this article... Uh, quote, I like games like Slay the Spire with cards that have attacks on them, but I don't like Hearthstone. So do I or do I not like single player deck builders? My argument to that would be Hearthstone's not a deck builder. I think, at least in terms of that argument, Hearthstone is not a deck building game. Right. Hearthstone's a TCG, right? Where Slay the Spire is a deck building game. Right. So you're right there. You're but, correct there. So, I don't know. I wanted to throw out there. I I like the idea of this article. I have, uh, again, it's Nintendo Life's soapbox. Game genres are broken. People should read it, think critically about it, and uh, decide what they think. However, I think things like Metroidvania, roguelite, roguelike, those blended genres of saying... Uh, first-person shooter MMORPG are actually fine. And I think that maybe people who didn't play board games, <laughs> you know, uh, don't maybe have the entire vocabulary of other genres of games to start applying to video games. But I wanted to know what your your you guys' thoughts were on... Sometimes we we have had the discussion on here of, like, is this an action RPG? Is it a JRPG? What is what is this game? Is it a demon? Is a Souls game a genre, or is a Souls game a subgenre of a genre? You know, do you think game genres are broken? Do you think they need to be categorized? Like, uh, in this article, uh, she mentions, you know, that that movies you can categorize movies instantly, so that you know you could tell someone like, oh, it's a thriller. Oh, it's a it's a eighties action romp. It's a 
you know, that type of thing. Do games need to be reduced to that kind of thing or not? Go. I mean, I feel like having the categories as they kind of exist in terms of game types are good as a point of reference for when you're trying to to describe a game to someone who's not familiar with it. I think the problem, and it sounds like this this might have been the case with this article too, the problem is assuming that if I tell you that a game is a deck builder, that every deck builder game is the same. I think you have to realize that, you know, while there are broad strokes that make a game be, you know, in this category or that category, there's still a lot of room within the category for games to differ from one another. Yeah, I think that's I I think the the idea of a genre is a lot more fluid in video games than it is in movies. And I don't know whether that's just because like movies are an older medium and they've been around a lot. And, you know, the the concepts of the genres have been worked out over 80 years of filmmaking and they understand what you need to do to shoot an action movie versus a drama and how to build those, you know, scenes in the right kinds of ways. Whereas games are ever changing and the, the stuff you can do in them changes so drastically from year to year, even right. Like the technology is changing so fast that no one has ever really sat down and figured out the, here is how you make a game that, you know, is an action game, right? Like there is no, no one has spent that kind of like critical work on games. You know, film study is a thing, right? Like it's a thing that like a, a class where you can go and study films and how to make films. You can't study games and how to make games. Like it, it's starting to change, right? There are some courses offered in that by, uh, by some universities, but it's so, so young compared with filmmaking. So, you know, maybe in the future, this will be a, a a moot point, right? They'll figure it out. Ah, what we used to call Metroidvanias are actually some super category of these other things that we just didn't understand at the time, right? Yeah. But we're here now, and so this was the word we got, and so this is what you call them. Um, but I, I think Michael is right for sure that the the amount of variation in games and between games you know, if, if you like you say, if you like Metroidvanias and then I tell you, oh, well, Symphony of the Night is a Metroidvania, you should play that game and you play it and you like it. And then you go, well, all you know what another Metroidvania game is Hollow Knight. You should play that. Those games aren't really that much alike at all. No. <laughs> yeah, I think I think it might be that it's a category problem. People expect or have expected games to exist in the same vein of entertainment that uh, were either easily categorized, right? Like a movie is easily categorized because it's short. It's two hours. And like Michael's point, a deck builder game, they want you to play it for more than two hours. And so Slay the Spire is a deck builder game, but I could make a deck builder game tomorrow that is truly in the same category and has many of the same functions as Slay the Spire, and it would be entirely different, right? Like, it, I mean, it would know, still think be about a deck like building. this. You know what a de- you know what is a deck building game, Andrew? The board game Dominion sure is. It's absolutely and, a deck. And this is one of the reasons I was like reading the article. And I was like, well, some points that um, this author makes are good points, and some points she she entertains the idea that maybe uh, I think Michael, maybe this was your point a minute ago, that this is a problem that's kind of, she calls it a teething issue, like it's still 
maybe games have not self-sorted early enough, long enough. Um, hmm. I think maybe it, it, I disagree with that in, in so much as I think games as a category, they've decided that, you know, entertaining somebody with a Zelda, uh, breath of the wild is different than entertaining somebody was with a Zelda two. Right? Like you could play them the same <laughs> amount of same amount of hours. You're gonna call them both a Zelda like. But like because the amount of time, energy put into keeping you playing the game and adding systems after system after system, you end up saying like, well, is Zelda an open world RPG? Is it a souls what what is, you know, like what what I don't know how to categorize it. I think yeah. it's it's more like um categorizing T V shows. Like uh, pe- I think the the fault is I think you're hitting on like a really salient point here, Andrew. That categorizing it is really hard because a lot of games are built to break and defy categorization, right? Like Which almost is, specifically, yep. right? When Dark yep. Souls, the original, or uh, I guess you could start with Demon Souls, but like either way, those games were built, you know, as you know, RPG games with more active combat because the standard turn-based combat was getting old and people didn't like it. So they wanted to build something more action-y that was more exciting, but they still wanted traditional like leveling up type systems that are prevalent in RPGs all over the place. So the games take a long time and players get to spend a lot of time in these worlds and also learn all these systems and all these sorts of things. Well, they just took two separate things and just blended them together right there. So now it's very hard to categorize this thing because it's now two different things put together. Mm-hmm. And now, like you said, as you were alluding to, right, is this just its own genre, the Souls type game? And it is kind of like there are games out there that are marketing themselves as Souls likes. Yeah. So I was having yeah. a hard time. Like, I, I think she talks about a lot of that in the article and we and we've kind of clarified the like the need to be able to adjust. And like, I think the frustration comes on that end from a game reviewer trying to be like, I don't know how to review this if I can't put it in a box. And, and I, and I would say to that, I think I was going to make the point that it's more like saying uh, that you like a TV show, right? Like I like fantasy TV show. Okay. Well, do you like game of Thrones? Cause that's a fantasy TV show that is not the same as the fantasy TV show out lander right like one is a romantic scottish kind of like old school magic thing and the other one is definitely more of a genre of of drama and lost almost you know like (laughs) you get you start using other shows to describe shows and so i think that i don't think genres are broken i think they're just more complicated than than people thought they were going to be with games. It really feels to me like the the problem is a problem of people who want to, like you you even said it right very well, Andrew, like what is a, a reviewer wants to put the game in a box so that they can say, aha, here's the thing. I have seen the whole contour of this thing. It's in this, it goes in this box. I have sorted it there. 8.5. There you go. <laughs> uh, and I think the issue is that like, do you need to be putting boxes around the game? Like, who cares? Let it be what it wants. If it wants to be some kind of thing, you don't need to give the game a score, man. The score doesn't help anyone at this point. Does anyone care what video games reviews are? 
I don't. That's a good question, dude. Like, I think they don't. I don't think. I don't think they do. I think it doesn't matter at all. And, And like. Do, you know, think about it like this, right? Maybe 10 years ago, video game reviews and video game review websites were a huge deal. I don't yeah. think that's true. That's not true anymore, right? Like, well, can you even name were... one other than IGN that still does, like, scored normal reviews? I don't think so. Uh, games Radar might. Uh, I mean, you, you could go to what's the Metacritic and compile a score there. I mean, the only purpose of Metacritic, though, is to compile scores from places so as to give ki- kickbacks to the various developers whose games reach a score above a certain threshold or whatever. Like, it's anyway, it serves a purpose, I guess. But my point is that, like, is it how many people are going to these like that are really in love with, like, I need to know the game's score before I go out and buy it? Well, how does how does no, game... right? Aren't everyone is out there buying the game and then coming back and defending the score that it got. As I the, think that's, I think that's from a different era though, right? When the review was like the reviews of the games were the only way to get an opinion, like an official opinion, you know, before there were, there were steam store voting and, uh, before Reddit or Twitter. Well, how does a game become popular now then if it's not on Reddit or well, if it's not. So there's no advanced copies anymore, which was one of the things people used to do. Right. You used to get an advanced copy because a game was for your SNES was $80. You know what I mean? And like, I mean, there are tons of advanced copies out there, but they're just they're going to like, but they're not like YouTubers and influencers and stuff. But they're also they're also embargoed until after the game starts coming out. So the bad review doesn't hurt their sales. But so like oh no no they're playing them on well, the stream depends, days in advance but it, they can't say anything bad about the game due to an right. embargo on the so you know honestly I I think Michael maybe your point is that hype sells games more right as long as the company has a bunch of press conferences where they spend a lot of money to tell people a big game is coming people will pay play a big game which is why Cyberpunk sells a bazillion copies even though maybe it's not a good game. Um, I, and I say maybe because I think that might end up being a good game and like The Witcher did or whatever. But, you know, how does a game that doesn't get all that attention, like a Breath of the Wild, end up huge? Unless it's just the only game on the platform and everybody plays it and then Reddit picks up that it's good. But I, so I don't I think, know. I, I don't think know. smaller games, smaller games have their arenas, too. You just have to know where to look for them. Like, how many times have, have the three of us discussed a game that we've seen speed run at a GDQ that we had no idea was even a thing. Is that how we found that game? What was that game? Time spinner, Michael? Um, time spinner. I think we found because I followed the Kickstarter. Okay. Um, but there was another, that's a game I totally like fits perfectly to what you're talking about. Right. I didn't hear anyone talking about time spinner. I never, we saw it. I saw it eventually on a GDQ. I think maybe after Michael had first told me about it, I was like, man, this game is pretty good. What and about that new roguelike? Like, awesome. What about that new roguelike you guys have been playing? That I Loop Hero. Yeah, Loop Hero. Where did Loop Hero come from? I mean, it came from some dude, but like the, I, I did see like streamers and people playing that game. So streamers is how you know what I mean. Like someone gets the word from somewhere. I think I maybe heard about it on Bombcast. Oh, rip to the Bombcast, by the way. I mean, it's still on, but like, yeah. R.I.P. Dude. Nah. Yeah. I know it's sad. I mean, beast cast for sure. Rip, right. They're done with yeah, that. Yeah. There's that sure. one's done for sure. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> it's weird to say this about Jeff Gerstmann, 
who wrote the tell-all book about how you shouldn't be at a review place, right? <laughs> the conversation we're literally having right now. <laughs> Gerstmann wrote wrote the article on, you know, seven years after he left GameSpot and was like, this is how game reviews work and why they're not worth anything. And now I am thinking the same thing about his company of like, I wonder, and in seven years, Brad and all these guys are going to do the tell-all about like, yeah, this is why we left. Yeah, who knows, man? I'm I'm really curious to see what they do with that company. Like, it really follows right into this conversation because that website used to do reviews. They gave scores. They had, you know, a full normal, like, review that they would post with text and, you know, and then, uh, you know, a one to five stars on the top. Uh, and then over the years, they just started doing it less and less. Unless oh, I think they actually and then I saw... think the, the last several years they just haven't published a single review in like four or five years probably now. I think they've said they actively saw more engagement from being online with a new game, streaming it for an hour and talking the review through while on the stream and just posting that and just being like, well, this is kind of like a playthrough review combo thing, was more interesting and better viewed than doing the entire produced like. Here's all the clips. Here's the five minute version. Here's the 25 minute version. Here's the, all the game capture and me talking about the game professionally with written word. Nope. They got way better response I mean, from they, based they what is essentially streaming, right? I mean, they stopped doing that stuff that you're talking about 15 years ago. Like they, yeah. like they would, they stopped doing that, you know, 10 years ago, but they even stopped publishing scored written reviews in the last several years. Like they don't review games now. Yeah. And, and what's interesting, maybe this pertains to this, but, and Michael, you kind of fall, I think a lot into this with some of your friends back home. If someone asks me if I have a game recommendation for them or like if they would like a game, I literally don't ask what score or anything else got or whatever. I only ask them what type of games they like, like name a game you like to play. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, that's a good way to do it. Um, right. I have, yeah, just just as kind of an aside for for way a different way that I have found one is, um, I have backed a couple of games that I have really liked on Kickstarters, and I have started following the developer behind the game on social media, and they will frequently share each other's projects or other things that they're aware of that are coming or that they've started playing that they find interesting. And, you know, I figure if the developer of something that I enjoyed playing is excited about a different game, chances are that our tastes will align. Oh, that's a really good point. Yeah. yeah I mean, that's definitely like following awesome guys like, uh, Tim Rogers puts out, uh, you know, lists of interesting games once in a while of like, huh, oh, never heard of any of these. Maybe I should look and, into one or two. And like really obscure, interesting music. Yeah. Um, I, can I postulate a theory live here that I haven't thought of literally for more than a second? Um, sure. The way that I buy games for my Switch in general is they announce a game is coming out and I say, huh, that looks interesting. Like Cadence of Hyrule or... I'm just going to open the switch drawer here. You know, like even things like the redo, the redo of Bomberman or those uh, Hyrule Warrior games or Captain, you know, like, I, I don't know, anything on that thing. Uh, if they put in the time to tell me it's coming out, right, uh, that's where I'm going to get the news of it anyway. 
And here's the theory. Maybe there aren't that many bad games anymore. I, I'm, I'm going to sure say that there are still plenty. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to say I'm pretty sure that's categorically wrong. It's just I mean, I'm not talking them. about Steam drivel. Like, I mean, those are games, though. Like, what you know? Are you gatekeeping the word game here? No, I'm not trying to gatekeep the word game. But what I'm saying is, if you're not in the marketplace of things that people don't even get, don't like. I'm, yes, there are like ten thousand games released a day on Steam that are all garbage, right? And like, none, none know, of those are going to gonna fair, get reviewed on other websites as well itch and those other places sure. that games come from like but, you know lots but of they're not, they're never going to get a review anyway because the reviewers know they're garbage and they're not going to put in the time to say this game is garbage so i mean are you saying that then the only like the thing that's like you know who cares about reviewers right the whole point we just had was that reviewers are kind of obsolete you're what you're looking for is someone to have paid a pr firm to market to you I'm saying is that so many, I mean, at this point, even indie games, quote unquote, that are of a value that gets noticed, all end up with even a devolver or somebody else, right? That that um, Loop Hero game, devolver picked it up. They snapped it up right away. And so, like, if there is a PR firm involved, I'm not saying that that's the only way you should find and pick up games. But I'm saying if there is a PR firm involved, it's not going to be a game that you're going to pick it up and be like, well, this is just straight up broken. And so overall, the games that people are going to review, I'm not saying that you shouldn't wouldn't look for games or whatever, but the games that would in theory fit into what we would have said reviewers were for are not, they're, they're not reviewable because they're all good. That's my point. I guess there's a lot less uncertainty about what a game is going to be these days. It's that's, pretty easy to figure out yeah, what a game is. There you go. You distilled what I was out. saying. There you go. I was trying to think about what you were saying and, and like what the actual issue is. And the issue is that in the past, when we were young lads, <laughs> it was hard to know that Super Nintendo game that is listed in Nintendo Power, what it actually is. So you can't yeah. get any video of it really because the internet was barely a thing and we didn't have money to buy games because <laughs> we were kids. <laughs> yeah. You could buy one or rent, rent a couple, but that was about it. Right. Like I think I had at the time maybe six games from N64 cause they were expensive. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, maybe there is still a world out there for young children, I guess, who need to know what games are good because, again, they still have an allowance app or app whatever. App store aggregate reviews, man. That's all they care about. App store aggregate reviews, right? If it's five Yeah, but what if they want to has... play real games instead of app store games? I will gatekeep that. <laughs> oh, well, interesting. He's drawn the I don't, line. That's huh? where we've drawn the line. Mobile yeah. game is its own thing, man. I, so many of them are barely games that I... I don't want apps versus games. That's what I'm saying. Okay. All right. Anyway, what? I but I, I think you really hit on the dude. Really fun game. Uh, I know it the, is. <laughs> it's also out on PC. Uh, yeah. The, I, I think you really hit the nail on the head there, though. That the, the issue is that people like you could just. You, what is this game? Do I like this? I don't know. I'm gonna go watch a video on YouTube. There's ten thousand results you can see what the game is. 
And in the past, you couldn't. And that was the purpose the review served. And so, like, now you can find out what these games are. Like, and you can even find out what the bad parts of them are, you know, relatively easily if you Google around enough, right? Yeah. So, like, you know, why... You don't need a review. Make up your own dang mind. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and, and the... Uh... The affordability is always coming down, right? You've got Game Pass. You've got Google's service. PlayStation's raising the cost to $70. So. No, really? Bro, where have you been? That happened. Yeah. Yeah, but they also have their their service, right? Yeah, of course. Yeah. So, like, but, the you affordability know, a single of game making... is still $70. Yeah, but you can make that mistake if you are on a different... The, 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 the cost analogy is wrong in certain cases right like the playstation cost is not the only cost out there how much is a game on steam two years after it comes out yeah and i mean that's you know the the issue as we have always said and advocated for on this show don't play games when they come out wait yeah and you, play them two years later vin, uh, vindicated by cyberpunk this year i mean mm. vin, vindicated by the mass effect collection which just released this year for what 60 dollars for three games each of which are pretty longish rpgs yeah you know those games were 60 dollars each when they came out yeah so what we're saying is it's time to buy command and conquer the collection because those games are finally the right price oh dude, Seven, yeah, that- 17 years later <laughs> That Command and Conquer collection rules. Like, and it's on player. Game Pass. We're all about waiting for a deal here. It's on EA Play, which is on Game Pass, by the way. Okay. The Command and Conquer collection is good. People should play that. It's fun. It's true. All right. Uh, game genres might be complicated, but I don't think they're quote-unquote broken, is what our final... Yeah, is I, our... Think the, I think the... Don't genre games, man. I think the thing that's broken is like trying to use terms like there's some sort of like like there's like seven genres and everything has to fall into these ones. Yeah, who knows how many there are? We don't I know think, yet. Yeah, I think you know what it is is that genre is easy for for things like a movie, but really what matters with a game is mechanic. And first person shooter was a genre when Turok came out. First person shooter is now a mechanic, not a genre. Ooh, yeah. Ooh, that's deep, mm. man. Right? Like, everything that used to be a genre is now a mechanic. Platformer. That's a mechanic. Right? That Star Wars Souls-like is also a platformer. Yeah. So I, I can't argue with you. You're, this is, this is a really, you're onto something here. It only took 20 minutes. <laughs> Oh, hey, uh, before we go, we talked about uh, teasing oh, a little thing here. Dude. We should do that. Good call. Maybe I should put this at the front of the podcast. or so. I'll rearrange where this is so people don't tune out ahead of time. This, I totally forgot about this. Andrew and I are going to be doing another uh, another subspace transmission soon. And we are going to watch... Take me out to the hollow suite, the DS nine episode. Yes. I will get the number right now while you describe, because we're going back to our roots on this one. We haven't done this in a while because we've been watching. We haven't Discovery. done one of these in a while. Yet. So explain what we're doing. So 
We are going to watch a single DS9 episode here. Uh, season season seven, episode seven, four, episode Take Me four. Out to the Hollow Suite. Yes. And we are going to talk about it. Uh, we're going to break it down and really just have discussions about this one episode and things we like, things we don't like. And this episode is pretty self-contained. Uh, which is really nice because then we're not going to have to get into any of the weird stuff that happens in DS9. Not weird, that's <laughs> wrong. It, any of the complicated stuff. Uh, there's a lot of uh, uh, plot lines that connect and do all sorts of things later uh, in DS9, and we're not going to have to do that. So we're just going to watch uh, an episode of DS9 about baseball. <laughs> uh, baseball is a recurring theme in DS9 because Cisco loves baseball. Mm-hmm. And uh, and there's a lot of reasons for that. There are a lot of reasons for that. And so you can kind of see a lot of the decisions he makes are... Oh, my God. We're starting the podcast right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a lot of, of good character traits that yes. are recurring with Cisco and baseball. And so you get to see them all enacted in this episode very clearly mm-hmm. in front of you in a baseball game. Yes. It is a really fun kind of side episode of DS9 and a thing that Star Trek should do more of because it's some of the most fun stuff. So if people want to watch that ahead of our uh, subspace transmission, which will come out later this month, uh, do that. Thank you for saving that in your brain. Cause I totally forgot. All right, guys. Uh, if people have a different theory about what a genre or a mechanic are now. Uh, they could send those to podcast at wewergamers.com. That's our email address. We will read and respond to your emails. We are also on the internet at wewergamers on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and all the various social media. Please check us out on those. And you can follow this podcast on your favorite podcasting app of choice. We're on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple, Google, all those good podcasting places. Check us out on all those. And then the number one VIP, the best. Follow us on YouTube. Get those sweet visualizers. It's so yeah. good. Come on. Get us that Google kickback that we totally are getting. <laughs>
Uh, you so. should look and see if uh, you should look and see if in either if the NBA Jams is in one of the stores. <laughs> they just added ten more games to the online service. Did they? Yeah, SNES, I think. Let's take a look. I haven't seen the latest. Uh, from three weeks ago. Ten games. SMB3, okay. Ninja Gaiden, Kirby's Adventure, Metroid, Zelda 2, Donkey Kong, Double Dragon 2, The Revenge, Dr. Mario, Star Tropics, and Punch-Out. That's a good list. Yeah. They really were like, hey, here's all the good stuff that we hadn't added yet. Yeah. Oh, hang on. Even more recently. Uh, This (laughs) might be an older set. These have been out for a while. (laughs) This guy wrote a review and was like, please, please read my review. This is the review you really want. Pro. Big, full-size buttons. Comfortable stick layout. Better grip. Concave analog sticks. Plug and play. Customizable button on the back. Memory. Switch fits in the dock with them attached. Cons. They will drain your console battery in all no, caps. In all, it's in all <laughs> caps. No motion controls, no vibration, no amiibo support. No carrying case will fit them. <laughs> that could be an interesting... I hadn't even thought, considered that as a possibility. I've found an article that's, uh, you know, five predictions for what Nintendo might do at E3 this year. Um, you think and the last it? one, uh, I don't know. I saw something. I saw a link to something earlier today that said that they were. It seemed much more likely, uh, but I didn't. I didn't get the chance yet to follow up on it and see what okay, he was talking sorry. about. Sorry. So what were you going to say? You saw? I didn't mean to. Um, so. No, no. The one I saw was that their last prediction is a surprise no one sees coming, which, you know, Nintendo likes to do that one more thing at the end of their their yeah. directs. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of the things that they mention is that a recent rumor suggests that an, there's an internal Nintendo team working on a new Donkey Kong title. Oh, OK. And there hasn't been, a, you know, they did the the two two and a half D ones for the Wii but there hasn't been like a real new Donkey Kong title in forever yeah well they released Tropical Freeze for the Switch and that's the last one I can think of yeah I think that was the last one but that's a Wii U game mm-hmm. I could go for an upgraded Switch with a bigger screen. That would be sweet. It could be 25% bigger as far as I'm concerned. I know you don't really care because you play it docked, but... Yeah, I, I play it docked, so... I mean, even if the screen just went uh, to the bezel, uh, it had hmm. no bezel, like just hmm. edge to edge, that would be enough. You don't even have to make it bigger. Right. Just make it edgeless. Yeah, that might be the key. 
that would allow him to keep using um, all the same stuff with it if they just made it edgeless screen. Mm-hmm. An edgeless screen with better battery life and maybe like making games load faster and I, that would be enough for me to pull the trigger. No problem. Uh, someone's responding to you. Oh, he's going to come in about the... Oh, here we go. Yeah, I'll agree with that. I Yes. I will... <laughs> Did he buy the horn? Did you really? <laughs> the anticipation is killing me. It's sitting in my cart. I got. I've. I've literally got it in my cart. You're getting a full review here. I noticed. Yeah, I. <laughs> I had to look away, and I looked back, and I expected to see it, and it's still not there. Oh man, I'll have to cut. Yep. Hmm. Mixed feelings. Hmm. Well, if it's an improvement on the Joy Cons, that's already a big plus. Might, might be worth it anyway. 